Welcome to Digital Marketing Intelligence for Shopify, Ask the Experts, our bi-weekly live show and podcast that features expert interviews and case studies to show you what to do and what's new in Shopify and e-commerce digital marketing for 2022 and beyond. Ask questions, suggest topics, and grow faster with actionable insights and proven strategies from the world's leading Shopify and e-commerce marketing experts. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Digital Marketing Intelligence for Shopify, Ask the Experts. I'm Marissa Morgan, today's show host. I'm also the business development manager here at Engage. On behalf of myself and the entire team at Engage, I want to welcome you to today's show. Today, we're going to find out how conversion rate optimization, CRO, can not only pay for itself while increasing your Shopify store sales by 30% or more. We know CRO is a huge topic to talk about, and today's guest is the former head of conversion for one of the world's leading entertainment providers, and he's going to join us in just a few minutes to share his insights on this incredible topic. And I want to remind you to stick around because after today's talk with our special guest, of course, we will share our Engage digital marketing news of the week. Every single week, we share a piece of news, a tip, or a trend in digital marketing. And with this year's series focus on Shopify and e-commerce, you're right. Every single news of the week will also have a Shopify and an e-commerce um focus. So before we get started, I do want to share that all of this incredible information and all the insights today are brought to you by Engage. Here at Engage, we are super excited. It's the month of March and we're just gearing up to launch next week a very new app. It's our latest app in a series of communication tools to help businesses grow and scale and optimize their customer experience. That app is called SMS Marketing for Shopify Stores. So if you have a Shopify store, if you're considering starting a Shopify store, if you're in the e-commerce space, you don't want to miss our incredible launch. It's happening next week on March 15th. And it's important because when we're talking about connecting with our consumers, we know that SMS has a 98% open rate versus about a 20% open rate when we're talking about email marketing. So what does that mean? That means if you use the SMS marketing for Shopify app from Engage, it's going to be super easy for you to not only build your customer list, but also to increase sales, save time with automation, and of course, promote new products. And you can do all of this with a non-technical staff because our app, is no code. It is no code support bots. So it's very easy to get up and running. If you're excited about it as much as we are, we invite you to join us for the kickoff by getting our app starting March 15th and enjoying a 30-day free trial, which includes 500 free SMS messages that you can start sending out right away to customers and to prospect customers as well to check it out, try it on for size, and find out that it's the right fit for your business. You've got nothing to lose except a huge amount of business. And we're going to learn from our guests today that it's all about customer experience, right? 
he has a saying, and I actually really like this. He says, if you're not focusing on the customer experience, you're leaving revenue on the table. I want you to help me welcome our guest today. His name is Will Lawrenson, and he's joining us from across the pond in London. If you don't know who Will is, you need to. Will is a conversion optimization expert, also a customer marketing consultant who helps brands sell more products without resorting to discounting through conversion rate optimization and marketing automation. Those are two of our favorite subjects, by the way, Will. We love automation here at Engage. His saying, as I mentioned, is if you're not focusing on the customer experience, you're leaving revenue on the table. And with over 10 years of experience, Will has helped his clients generate millions in extra revenue by optimizing the customer experience to help them acquire more high value customers. He is also the host of the Customers Who Click blog podcast and consulting company. Will, thank you so much for joining us today. Welcome to Digital Marketing Intelligence for Shopify. Thank you for being our expert. Hi, thank you for having me. We're so happy to have you here because you've put together a really nice, very succinct outline of a few important things you'd like to share with us. And before we get started, I want to remind everybody that this is a live show. We're broadcasting right now live, simulcast to LinkedIn Live, to Facebook, also to YouTube. If you're joining us live watching the show, please drop us a note. Let us know where you're joining us from. As I mentioned, Will is joining us from London. I'm in the Midwest, right smack dab in the middle of the United States in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Let us know where you're joining us from and if you have any questions during today's show, feel free to leave those in the comment section and we'll bubble those up to Will as we go. All right, Will, you put together a really nice outline for us. So I'm going to start off our show by sharing that with the audience in just a minute. But before I do that, I'd love to hear right from the uh, horse's mouth how you got into CRO to begin with. Is that something you went to? I mean, this didn't exist when we went to college, I don't think. So how did the path um, start for you? Yeah, sure. So um, I started off in in a, a few startups actually at the at the start of my career. Um, my very first role was was actually sales, um, but moved into marketing and started to focus more on um, on this kind of central marketing position within uh, one of the companies that I worked for. That quickly became I don't even know how to describe this role. It was a like new business uh, development person. But in terms of, of identifying new businesses for this business to launch, um, so I immediately, you know, even eighteen months in, I started working with designers, developers, um, uh, product people, other marketers to try and identify and build out this new business to basically to try and lift the value of this company and sell it. That was that was kind of the idea. Um, I moved off from there to another startup and and two more after that. Um, had one of my own somewhere in the middle of that as well uh, before ending up at, uh, at Gamesys where I was head of conversion. But what I always found was at, at all these startups, the marketing team was generally just told, here's your budget, go away and acquire customers. Like that's that's it. Um, you know, we're talking maybe tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands, hundreds of thousands, potentially millions a month in, in budget and just told, go acquire customers. That's your job. And at a startup, as I'm sure a lot of people are aware, you know, if um, especially if they've got uh, uh, kind of younger businesses of their own, things aren't perfect, right? Mm -hmm. um, okay. The experience on, on a website might not be perfect within an app. 
um, all your marketing automation needs to be set up and, and optimized over time. And what I was really finding was we had problems with the actual, the website, the app, um, the product itself. So I found myself more and more pushing myself into the kind of product and development side, really. E even when I was, my, my roles were always marketing, uh, you know, marketing manager, head of marketing, that sort of thing. But I kept getting more and more involved in the product side because I was saying to them, well, we've got these budgets. We're, we're kind of happy with how we're targeting people and our creative and stuff because we're seeing, we're seeing good indicators there. But people are struggling to sign up or people are struggling to actually make their purchase or, or make their booking or, or whatever it was mm -hmm. at the time. So I was saying, well, you know, the, the issues aren't acquisition. The issues are, are with the product side. Yeah. Um, and that's that's what's kind of led me to where I am. Um, I left I left my last job uh, about what, just over two years ago, November 19, just before uh, a global pandemic hit, <laughs> um, which is not the best time to, to go out on your own, I don't think. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, so now I'm, I'm working with e-commerce businesses uh, to improve conversion rates, really focusing on that, you know, why should these people purchase from your business? Why should they purchase this product? Why should they purchase from this business? You know, I'm not completely against discounts. I think they can be used quite strategically, but I'm really trying to take brands away from selling out a 20% off code every week just to try and get some extra sales. It's it's always about what is what have these customers bought? What have they told us they're interested in? Mm. And how do we make sure we're selling those products in the in the best way possible to get those conversions? I love that your experience has been with startups and many different startups and that your takeaway is so many of these companies have had some of the same problems, right? Some of the same hurdles, especially in terms of the customer experience or potentially issues with their product or their platform in and of itself, right? Because I think yeah. one thing that we've learned through uh, the course of our series, Will, is that, you know, from a from a company standpoint, from a CEO perspective, from a founder perspective, we always see what we're doing as perfect because we're so excited and passionate about it that we often fail to, to view what we're doing from the customer's perspective, which is the most important. So I'm excited to hear some of the insights you're going to share today. And I like the idea that you're going to focus on how to increase sales without discounts because even from a customer perspective, there's a few companies I've been, you know, considering doing business with lately, Will. The minute I'm on the website, I'm getting a coupon code. The minute I leave something in the basket, I'm getting a coupon code. The minute I, you know, go a week without purchasing, it's, oh, you know, here's another 20. And, and I understand and I get it. Um, but at the same time, too, I think you know, you almost get to a point and some businesses are where there's like just a saturation of these codes and these discounts where customers yeah. are smarter than we think they are. You know, they are very smart and we say, okay, well, I'm not going to purchase unless I get a discount. Why would I ever pay full price? I know this company sends a discount every single week. I'll wait till Thursday. They send an email every Thursday or every Friday. So I think this will be really good because you know, we all want, especially if we are a startup, we all want people to try our product. We want people to have a good experience. We want them to become a loyal repeat customer. And yes, discounts are a great way, obviously, to get somebody in the door to get your product in their hand. But we have to like, I think you're right, kind of leverage that and uh, 
strike a happy balance there. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. I mean, even uh, my mom about what, two, two, three months ago realized that if she left something in a basket, she'd get an email from that company a little bit later. So right. now it's really reached that point where, you know, it, it's uh, too many runs are doing it. It's, uh, and it's now an unknown thing. It's, well, yeah, it's really a known thing. We're, um, we're just like the hamsters, right? We've all been trained, right? With the, the way e-commerce yeah. is going. We know, leave it in a basket, we're going to get a coupon code or, you know, just look at it and then they're going to get email us say, oh, you, you, I saw you checking this out. Hey, it's 20% off today. So yeah. we all know. I mean, we're being conditioned. Uh, of, obviously this is, this is the work I do. So I'm a little bit um, uh, more into it, but quite often now, if I go to a website and I don't get a pop-up, I will open that website in incognito just to check it and make sure that I, you know, make sure that I didn't visit this website a few days ago, forgot about it, and I actually ignored the pop-up then. So I will I, I will open it up in incognito to see if that discount's actually going to pop up. Oh, that's interesting. Ooh, because there are times I've been in a rush and I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to sign up for the text to get the 20% off right now. I need to just see if you have my product. And that's true. And then yeah. you go back and click again, and now you're not a brand new visitor, so they don't offer you that sometimes. Ooh, it's, it, it's, it's rare that the first time someone lands on your website, they will make that purchase. right? So, so just putting that discount in front of them and saying, what's your email address? We'll send you a discount. Doesn't, doesn't offer any value to that person. So they're either going to fill it in any way, probably put some sort of junk, junk email in, you know, I, I have a um, I have a Hotmail account still, actually. And that's the account I use for, for all that sort of stuff. Um, oh, that's funny. But yeah, otherwise they will just, uh, they will close that box. They'll carry on um, uh, browsing. And then, you know, on that same session, they might make the decision to purchase. But now they're thinking, well, how do I get that 10% off code that you offered? And I can't. And, yeah, I know. you know, Generally, I don't think people are savvy enough to do what I mentioned, which is just open the website again in incognito. You might right. have to share, not right now, but before we go, you're going to have to share how to do that. Tell us how to do that. But I do want to dive in. I see a lot of people joining us on LinkedIn. So if you are just joining us, welcome to today's show. If you're listening to us on the podcast replay, this is going to be a great show. We're diving right in. We're talking about CRO and how you can increase your Shopify stores by using CRO. And let's let's look at what Will's going to cover today because I'm excited about this. We're really diving into why discounting is bad for your business. That's the first thing we're going to talk about. And we've already kind of discussed a few, you know, discount situations in the real world. And I'm excited to hear what Will has to share as we continue that portion. And I am going to make him share how to look at a website incognito because I don't know how to do it. Then we'll talk about the two big questions that customers are asking and how to answer them. So stay tuned to find out what those two big questions are. And then how does conversion rate optimization impact retention? So we'll end our show talking about that specifically. Okay, well, let's just continue where we left off. You don't have to share with us how to, you know, look at a website incognito right away, but don't let me forget. Um, share why discounts are so bad for your business. Well, it's kind of what you were saying earlier, right? We're, we're all trained to expect discounts now. So you, you land on a website, you expect some sort of pop-up to appear with a discount. And if you're not ready to buy and you close that box because you, you don't want it yet, you then continue to browse the website. You might actually make the decision right there and then, cool, I'm going to purchase. How do I get that discount? You can't, so you might abandon that website. 
you know, you might think, oh, well, if I come back in a, in a week, maybe that discount will reappear. But then you forget, right? You forget to come back, you're, you're now gone. Um, so obviously that's that's one little thing. Um, but really, you're just you're just cutting into margin for very little reason, because if you've got the right product and you, you know, if you've got the right product for that person and it's going to do the job that they need it to do, you should be able to sell the product based on the benefits. Right. So I, I run I run exit intent surveys on every client's website. I'm sorry. What was that? You run what? exit intent surveys so exit when someone intent. goes to leave the website ah. there'll be a little pop-up appears which says something like what is the number one reason you didn't complete your purchase today Ooh. so depending on what page we do it on most of the time it's it's on the lines of why didn't you purchase today mm-hmm. and i've never seen price come up as the as anywhere near the top issue you know, some people will say I'm skimp or, you know, I'm waiting for payday or, or something like that. But price is, is never, I wouldn't say it's in the top five reasons that people people haven't purchased. It is normally, uh, fun enough, so actually quite often it's my discount code didn't work. Right. So the discount code that you're actually supplying them in order to, to try and get that conversion, which is going to knock down your AOV and, and damage your margins, that's not working for a lot of customers. For whatever reason that could mm-hmm. be you might have some terms and conditions on it such as it's got to be used on full priced products mm-hmm. uh, it might for some reason it might not work in certain browsers i don't know but that, that pops up a fair bit and then it's normally related to things like um it could be some questions about your product you know what material is it how does it work is it vegan friendly that sort of thing it could be uh do you offer free shipping do you offer free returns? Uh, how do I contact you? That sort of thing. There's always something going on. There's, there's always those questions that you've left unanswered on the website. And these, these people are browsing your, your website. They might have even said to themselves, I like this product. I want to buy it. But because they don't know your brand, because it's their first time looking at your website or, or first time buying from you, um, they don't see that free returns policy. And so they say, well, I'm not convinced that if I, like what happens if something goes wrong mm-hmm. and I don't like this product or it doesn't work or whatever, what what do I do then? If they can't see that policy, which tells them what to do, then they're more likely to bounce. So what I'm hearing from you, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think I got this. Price has not been one of the big immediate deciding factors for somebody shopping online to not make the purchase. The really main key deciding factors have been more along the lines of maybe like fine print, you know, the return Mm -hmm. policy um, or something related to customer service. What about um, the offerings as well? Just, you know, you don't have the product I need or you don't have the color or the size I want. I would think that would be a big, you know, one as well, a big, um, you know, friction point. Yeah. So obviously it depends what you're selling, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I actually work with a retailer at the moment, a footwear retailer. And you will get some people who they know exactly what they want. They've come to buy this one pair of shoes. Mm. If you don't have it in the size or the color that they want, they're going to go elsewhere, right? Mm-hmm. Because they know they can go to the brand's website, the brand's own website. They can go to a do- probably a dozen different footwear retailers and find right. this product. Um, but there are a lot of people who will say, I, I saw this shoe on Instagram or I saw someone wearing it. Um, 
I liked it, so I wanted to buy it. So I Googled it, I opened up, and this is what they're, they're literally saying to me. I did these customer interviews not too long ago. I opened up five different tabs um, and ended up buying from this business. Price, obviously, price is important when it's when it's in retail because mm-hmm. if your if if the product you're selling is ten percent more expensive than than on a different website, you know, it, you're going to reach that point where your price is is quite a bit higher and people don't see the benefit of that. But if you're the website that comes across as you know, if I've got a problem with this product, I can send it back. I'm not going to have a problem. I can see that it's really easy to contact you. Right. So that obviously links into that returns policy. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you say to me, you've got a hundred days return policy, but there's no way of contacting you obvious on the website, I'm not going to purchase because that hundred day policy is meaningless if there's no way of actually you know, activating it. So again, that go, that goes right into your big saying, you know, if you're not, uh, if you're not focusing on the customer experience, you're leaving revenue on the table. And I do think you're right. Yeah. Customers, shoppers, consumers, we want to always feel like there's support behind whatever retail product we're purchasing. And that support could come in so many different ways. It could be exactly like you said, a very easy contact you know, information page. So we know where we're going if there is a problem. There is the return policy as well. I do think too, when it comes to price, there are ways that I think some businesses try to stay in the in the um, kind of profit margin game or the you know competitive game where they'll maybe offer um, maybe a lower price than their competitors by just a, a couple dollars. And then when you actually get into the checkout process, you sometimes find out that they've kind of upped their shipping costs. I've seen that happen a few times. Oh, I can get this for $30 here, free shipping, or I can get this for $25 here, and then I get to shipping and shipping $7. You know what I mean? So yeah, definitely have seen that as well, which could be why someone abandons. It's not really for price, but it's for the logistics, I guess. Yeah, I mean, very often um, an unexpected shipping fee will mm-hmm. will put people off. Right? People mm-hmm. don't like paying for shipping. Um, they would rather spend more money on the website uh, and then – uh, and then complete that purchase for free shipping. But if you get through to the checkout stage and that's when you say, oh, well, actually shipping is, uh, generally here it would be, I don't know, three ninety nine or something. But I think in the States it can be like $10, $15, can't it? Uh, yeah, it can, especially if you, need, if you need something in a rush as well. Yeah. You know, uh, that uh, expedited shipping always comes into play. I would say eight ninety nine might be pretty standard if you have to pay for shipping. Maybe eight okay. to ten dollars, yeah. Yeah, so that's probably I don't know, like six pounds, which would be expensive here. Yeah. Um, that that I think for for just kind of standard shipping, that'd be considered expensive. So if I saw, yeah, if, if I got through to the checkout and suddenly it said five ninety nine, I'm thinking, oh, like how how much do I want this? Mm-hmm. Am I willing to pay that five ninety nine? Mm-hmm. Am I going to go back to the website and try and browse for some other products? Right. If, if you're lucky and I have noticed something else, I, I might go back. Um, if you're unlucky, I'm going to say, well, actually, let me think about this. Or, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll come back to it. But it's it's something that's definitely going to kind of put me off. And it's uh, what well, we know that it puts off a lot of customers. So, you know, I'm, not, I'm definitely not saying just offer free shipping to everyone. Right? That That's not the solution. Um, but be really upfront with it. Um, you know, make make everything clear going, uh, you know, from the outset. I remember seeing 
uh, on Twitter, someone had mentioned he, he runs a, a really small candle business. And he mentioned that he changed the text on the delivery to say, I think it was something like a reasonable shipping fee, £2.50 or something like that. And he found that conversion rate went up with that. Mm. Because even though he was charging shipping, he was he, he was kind of saying, well, you know, it's it's a reasonable fee, right? You know, Two pounds fifty is not a lot to spend to get this shipped to you. Um, that was that was really interesting. I've not tested that out myself. Though. That's interesting. I do think you're right. Verbiage sometimes, or you know, how transparent the message is, or the the messaging behind the message. You know, if you're a small, let's say you're an Etsy style, you know, one woman crafting you know, business and, you know, you're shipping things out of your garage or doing the labels with one of those shipping programs. But I mean, you are paying for shipping and you're doing everything yourself. Yeah. Makes sense to say, hey, I'm a, a a single mom startup business, you know, reasonable shipping, exactly $3 or something. I think, I think it's interesting because people can also hear what you're saying and that can help their, their um, kind of help how they perceive your brand. You know what I mean? You can really yes. use some of this as ways to show who your brand is. And, you know, if you're a one woman shop, you make everything by hand. You know, someone is more likely to uh, pay for shipping versus if I am in a factory of 400 employees and I, this is a multi-million dollar company that does hundreds and billions of dollars a year. Really, you can't afford to send me a keychain. I ordered a keychain. You're going to charge me eight dollars to send me a keychain. It doesn't make sense. And it it seems greedy. Right. From the from the consumer yeah. standpoint. We have, we have a, a, a retailer here called ASOS. Oh, I love is, ASOS. Yes. Yeah, okay. So really well known for the fact that it's got, um, I don't know if it's free shipping on everything, but it's free I think returns. It's free return shipping. And, free return shipping and free returns. Yeah. I yeah. Think. And I, I have a feeling they've got free shipping or it's a very low threshold, but basically it, they became known as, you know, you just order loads of stuff and you just send back what you don't want because it doesn't mm -hmm. cost you anything. Mm -hmm. And they yeah and um i think that became a bit of a problem for them um i think i'm pretty sure it's asos but i read that the someone senior in it again can't remember the chat title said their return rate was something like 40 percent well, which, which is just huge and it's all costs that they're having to deal with and it's not just you know easier for a smaller business right but a bigger business that's not just the cost of having to pay for the shipping to return you've then got to have you've got to pay for someone to uh, restock or you know restock the shelf or say well this person's worn this product so actually we've got to send it to the outlet or you know whatever there are other costs involved in doing that very true very true i'm actually experiencing this right now i'm getting married in a few months and i have got things i need oh, to buy you know thank you i mean i don't wear white that often and now i'm like oh i need to buy all these white dresses for all these events right but i've been doing a lot of shopping online and it's quite interesting to see um, just what that experience has been like. I, yes, I shopped online during the pandemic, not nearly as much as right now. Um, I'm shopping more online now, but I will say things like free shipping, things like free returns. I know one company, if you return whatever returns you have one at one time, say you buy 10 items and five don't work, as long as you return them all at once in one package one time, it's free. The minute you're like, oh, I'll send back these two things. Oh, then I'll send back this other thing. Then there starts to incur charges. But it is interesting. I was just saying to my uh, fiance yesterday, I wonder how some of these stores do it. 
because with clothes, with shoes, oftentimes you do have to buy two sizes because you're uncertain. So yeah. you're right. There is a lot of stuff happening on the back end for some companies to continue to provide that exceptional option and that exceptional service. So, so I mean, that, that's the sort of thing I look at. And obviously with, with clothing, with footwear, it, it is difficult because, and this is something I only discovered once I started work, working with a footwear retailer, a size 10 in one brand is not the same as a size 10 in another brand, mm-hmm. right? That probably should have made sense to me because I'm sure I've had that problem myself. But it, yeah, I hadn't really thought it through. And I, but I don't think the majority of people are aware of that, particularly with shoes. Oh, so the struggle this, is real. It's, it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in these interviews, people would just say, oh, I know I'm site. You know, I was asking them if they would use a tool to help them work out what, what size to use. And they would say, no, no, I know what size I am. Like mm. I'm, I'm, I'm size 10 or whatever. And then obviously you get the issue with people returning the products because they've bought the wrong size. So then they'll order another one or they will order two, maybe three pairs and send back the ones they've done one. And obviously by doing that, they've also got free shipping because they mm-hmm. bought, if they're buying three pairs, they, they're going to get the free shipping basically on the one pair that they actually want. Right. So again, it's, it's more difficult with, with shoes and, and, fa- and, um, and clothing because mm-hmm. uh, you have to get that sizing right. But there's still things you can do to try and, educate customers and mm-hmm. make sure they pick the right the right option um you could even talk about the the kind of sustainability side of it and say um you know make sure you pick the right size if you so that we don't have to ship twice or something like that here's our handy size guide or uh, or the tool that we use to to help you find the right size so you, you, know, you could try some messaging around that um you could even try it, you know, if someone puts uh, the same pair of shoes in twice, but in different sizes, then trigger that message mm, and say, you know, right. are you are you actually buying two pairs of shoes or, or are you testing sizes? Um, you know, we are an eco-friendly business, whatever. We, we want to reduce uh, uh, returns and, and wastage, blah, 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 and, and kind of go into that. Obviously, you have to actually be a very obviously eco-friendly brand. Um, it's one of my one of my biggest kind of pet peeves that businesses do at the moment are, are things that are like they'll make big claims around you know we're a, an ethical business or a sustainable business mm-hmm. and they'll put little badges on their on their product pages but then there's pretty much nothing else you know in the day to day kind of f- like visibility and touch points for that business you you don't notice anything else so it doesn't really come across on their social media. They've not got anything on their website that really talks about their mission mm. and, and what they're supporting and stuff. It would just be the odd tweet or, or post uh, normally on, you know, those uh, those calendar days that come by, right? Where everyone's like, like, glo- um, what's it, World Earth Day? Day? Earth Day? Earth Day. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Earth Day, stuff like that. And they'll say, oh, yeah, we're really sustainable business. And you look at the website and there's no evidence of that at all, apart from these generic looking badges. And and I think, our, as we mentioned earlier, consumers, we are all consumers. We are smarter than sometimes we're given credit for. And I think we notice things like that. You notice when the brand messaging is consistent. Unless, you know, you're looking for something, you don't really care, you want the lowest price, it's a ho-hum purchase. 
Um, but when we talk about becoming loyal customers, I do think brand messaging and the consistent brand messaging is really important. Well, this yeah. really leads us to our next. Well, sorry, I've got oh, yeah. Go one, one example, if that's all right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've absolutely. recently came across Tony's Chocolate Only. I'm sorry, what? Bars. Tony's Chocolate Only. It's a chocolate bar and it is the best chocolate I've ever had, I think. Um, it's just, it is fantastic. But they in is the, it only packaging. available? Is it only available in the UK? No, I'm pretty sure it's a US company. Okay. Oh no, uh, no, it's a it's a Dutch company, I think. Okay. I think um, it should be. You're making me hungry, there. but okay. But they, <laughs> I love chocolate. They, they're quite decent bars. The packaging is really nice. It kind of looks a bit old school okay. the way they've done it, um, almost like Willy Wonka and the and the oh, cool. chocolate factory, Charlie and chocolate factory um, style. Anyway. Um, their, the, the the actual outer wrapping for their for their chocolate has all their brand stuff on it so it talks about the fact that they they're fighting slavery in the chocolate industry and there's loads of information on the packet uh it, that then leads you to the website where they've got large amounts of their website dedicated to talking about their mission what you can do to help support it and stuff so that is that's probably the best example i've ever seen of a brand that's really really pushing their values and really going for it. So I definitely, uh, if you are kind of, if any anyone listening is kind of looking into that space, go have a look at their website and, uh, and and check out what they've been doing. Great example. That's a great example too of how your you know small to mid sized business, especially if you're a startup, a great way for you to stand out in a highly competitive space. Right? We all know the e-commerce world is highly competitive, and especially if your product is online. One thing I learned. Uh, in a recent episode is is when consumers go search for your product or a product, think about what they are going to be putting into the search tool, right? Maybe somebody wants to find an eco-friendly shoe brand or a sustainable uh, comforter or something, you know, you know, think about those words like sustainable, eco-friendly, um, vegan, uh, cruelty-free. Some of these words are really hot topics and hot buttons right now, and people feel strongly yeah. about them. Um, so consider what people are going to be putting in when they're searching for a product, if that in fact matches your message or you want it to match your message and, and be consistent in your branding so that their search ends up discovering your product if you are yeah, indeed in that world. You, you can see that in your analytics as well, right? You can see what people are searching for. So if you've not, if like a lot of websites out there, you've not put any thought into your, your search, um, which, you know, a lot of brands don't um the analytics should be there so you can see what people are searching for you can start to optimize for those searches and, and make sure you're showing results um but also just uh, generally enhance that search experience there's there's so many better ways of doing it than just waiting for that person to type in their their query hitting <laughs> enter and then displaying a, a a page of potentially no results absolutely well let's go on to our next topic here, our next point, because I want to know what the questions are. The two big questions customers are asking and how to answer them. What are the two big questions customers are asking? Well, so it's very basic. It's, is this the right product for me? So is it, is it going to do that job for me? Um, is it going to you know deal with that pain point that I've got? Um, uh, yeah, is it going to is it going to do that task or, or complete that job for me? And is this the right business to buy that product from? And if you can answer both of those questions, 
then you're you're going to be way well on the way to to getting those conversions but you have to answer both of them right so you can be so convincing around about that product you can give me all the images which show every little aspect i would want to see give me explain all the benefits uh give me all the social proof whatever you know do everything with that product page but then if i don't think i can trust the business you know if there's no reviews for the business or if the only reviews are you know negative reviews on trustpilot or whatever because you're not actively collecting reviews so inevitably your your actual review scores on those sites are going to be negative mm-hmm. um, if i can't see customer service if i can't see a free returns policy that sort of thing then i'm going to be hesitant so i'm going to think well what happens if something goes wrong uh, you know i is it a legit business are you actually going to send it out if you do send it out is it going to turn up okay is it if i have a problem can i return it all those sort of questions start coming up if you can't answer those questions then the customer says well i'll go search somewhere else mm-hmm. because you know i'm sure i can find you know if you're a retailer i can find the product elsewhere and if you're not a retailer if you're a brand with your own products there probably is a competing product out there Right. So, mm-hmm. you know, they, they can go and they can go and find something else. They, they might have to start their process again and start asking all those initial questions around the product to make sure they're, again, happy that that product's going to going to achieve that goal for them. But then if that business does have the reviews, does have the customer service, they're the one that's going to get the sell. So that's yeah. Th- those two questions are, yeah, you've got to convince someone it's the right product for them. And then once you've done that, are you the right business to buy that product from? It's so simple, yet it covers a lot of different things, right? I like that you mentioned the review part of it too. I recently bought something from one of the big retailers of multiple brands that's online. I really needed it and I was being very price conscious because when I looked at this particular item, there were so many people selling it. And I actually shopped solely based on price and description, Well, and this one particular store I found had the best price and not a single review. And I was so nervous to buy it from that particular vendor because it had no reviews. But based on the photos, based on everything else, I'm like, these all look the same. It really did look the same. And I feel like as customers, sometimes I don't like that. There's a lot of bait and switch, I think, that happens now on some of these larger retail sites where vendors just take pictures from other companies and say, oh, mine's the same. Very frustrating and a little scary. But at the end of the day, the savings was there. And I said, you know, I'm going to take a risk because my friend said, well, maybe it's just a new vendor that's just getting up, you know, or maybe it's a vendor that's already on, but they're just doing a beta test themselves to see, hey, if we sell it for less, do we sell a lot more? Is it worth it? Anyway, bought the product the entire time until it got to me. I was so nervous. Well, like, like, please, because it was a heavy thing that if I had to ship it back would have been a disaster. Um, And I got it. And thank you consumer gods. It was perfect. It was just as nice as all the other ones. Why there were no reviews, I don't know. But the entire stress of it, I probably got like three gray hairs. I'm so glad it worked out. But that experience alone felt like a one-off because we do look at reviews. And sometimes we even go, oh, well, there are 10 bad ones, but there's 15 good ones, but the bad ones are really bad. The good ones are okay. I mean, we use reviews now, you know, really when we're doing our homework. Um, and they, they, I think more often than not, I don't purchase something because of the reviews. So yeah. that was a, a good workout situation. Woo-hoo, it worked um, out, but reviews are important. With the, 
with the reviews, yeah. like I said, if you're not collecting reviews, it doesn't mean you just have no reviews. It means when people search for your business and reviews or Trustpilot or whatever, they're only really going to see the bad reviews because uh. only unhappy people, well, not only, but probably nine out of 10 reviews that are unprompted are going to be left by unhappy people. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. when it, like on review sites and things, you might, you'll get happy people who are more likely to share on social media, I think. But when it comes to review sites, the people who are unhappy are more likely to go and, and leave those reviews. So if you're not actively mm -hmm. collecting them, you're only going to start, get, you're only going to get a negative score. That makes sense. Very, very unlikely, unless you are an incredible business, of course. Yeah, um, no, that makes sense. Very seldom do I write a good review. However, I do occasionally, but often, more often again than not, it's because that was requested. Hey, how'd you like the product? Oh, I actually really loved it. Thanks for asking, you know. And there's just uh, one thing you, you mentioned, actually, which uh, I don't think we can get into because it's an entire, I, I could spend an, an entire hour talking about it. Um, it's that post-purchase experience, right? So you said from the moment you purchased it to the moment you got it, you were thinking like, what's going on? Is it going to turn up? What's it going to be like? That post-purchase experience is so important as well, that communication. Right? So making sure people are aware of uh, the, the tracking process. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, where where is this product? Has it been shipped? Who's it with at the moment? Where is it? When's it going to arrive? You know, brands are getting better and better at this. You know, we're starting to get. Uh, I mean, generally with e-commerce, right? If you're a Shopify business, you can get this tracking set up really easily. Mm -hmm. But what's great, what I think is particularly great, partly I guess because of my living arrangements, right? I've my my previous place was a, a flat with a concierge, which meant any package just got collected. Right. I didn't have to do anything. Didn't have Very to do nice. Anything. Very nice. And now, and now I work from home. So I'm generally here anyway. But what's really good is the number of businesses who would previously be the type of business that would say, we're going to be with you between 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. And that's your delivery slot. And you're thinking, great. I've got to be in the entire day. Uh, I don't know when it's come up. Got to, can't make any plans. And so inevitably, if I don't make plans, it will turn up at 7 a.m. and I've got the whole day free. If right. I do make plans, it's going to turn up at 6.50 or 7 o'clock and my, my, my day is ruined. But now what we're getting is you, know, you tend to get a, one, a text message saying, uh, this is your delivery day between, you know, and it, it probably will say between 9 a.m. and 5 p.m. or something. And then, uh, you know, maybe a day or two days before you'll get the actual delivery slot. Mm -hmm. And they'll say, right, it's actually going to be delivered between one and two o'clock. Right? Mm -hmm. So that's getting so went, much better. We just went through that. Yeah, it's getting so much better. And even now, I mean, with certain brands, you can actually track the package. I just got something this morning. It said your package is 10 stops away. I'm like, oh, great. It'll be here before our show. I don't have to worry about the doorbell ringing or vice versa. Yeah. If something is not going to be there for a while, you know, you can go about your day. I do think you're right. No, understanding that a customer wants their product wants it obviously as fast as they can, but they want it safely in one piece, not damaged, but they also want it um, in a way that doesn't disrupt their day-to-day -day life. No one wants to sit home and wait for a package. And yeah, sometimes you have to sign for something. Yes, sometimes a delivery man has to come inside and put it together, et cetera. Um, but we all want to be able to do that with ease and really at our own convenience. Convenience is a huge part of why we shop online. It is really difficult, though, as a business, obviously, like logistically. I mean, mm -hmm. here we've got uh, we've got Prime Now, which is so Amazon Prime Now, 
which is uh, you get it on the same day and you can book a, it might even be an hour slot, oh, wow. an hour or two hour slot, I can't remember. And we are getting some other businesses that are opening up, which are doing similar things, right? So they are courier services, which specialize in saying, we, you can offer your customers delivery within a certain slot. And they're even allowing you to say things like, well, um, you, it's free delivery if you order it, um, just standard delivery. Mm-hmm. Then it's going to be you know, $3.99 if you want to say, I want it on this day in the morning. Mm-hmm. And then it'll be you know, $12.99 if you say, I want it in this hour slot. So you, you're still giving the customer you're giving the customer that flexibility, that free option, but you're also saying, well, if you if you decide you want it urgently and at a very specific slot, you can pay mm-hmm. money to get it. And some people will. But it's still, you know, it's not, it doesn't get seen as, well, your shipping's really expensive, you're charging loads. It gets seen as, you know, all right, you've got the flexibility. If I'm the one who wants it urgently, then I'm going to have to pay for it. Yeah. If you forgot your mom's birthday and you're online shopping and you need it that day because you're going to a birthday party that night, you should expect to pay a little extra for expedited shipping. I think it's pretty incredible. Uh, It's interesting too, because um, I know for, for instance, with Amazon, right, they have warehouses all over the country. So it is interesting too, because they can offer certain options for certain project products, and then some get shipped directly from the company. So it's just interesting too, how they've managed to really logistically work with so many different companies, vendors, um, you know, warehousing situations, and obviously with all their different transportation. It's just very interesting. It's it's quite fascinating, the uh, web yeah. that many of these companies have created, the logistics web that allows them to cater to so many different needs and locations and timelines. It's, a, it's yeah. impressive. Yeah. Well, let's end our talk with conversion rate optimization. We have just a few minutes. Let's talk about how conversion rate optimization can impact retention. Um, share with us a little bit about your experience and your insights with obviously using CRO. That's really your niche and your specialty um, with some of your clients. Yeah. So um, it kind of ties into what I was, what we've been talking about before a little bit about the discounting, right? If you, if you discount, then generally you see lifetime values decrease. Um, we see customer churn rates increase, right? People are less likely to stay with you long-term. The, the more they've, uh, been receiving discounts um, and obviously lifetime value goes down because uh, while they might still be spending money if they're getting 40% off every purchase their lifetime value is obviously going to be a lot lower and eventually those people are the sort of people who are going to say uh, I'm not going to come purchase from you unless I get a discount right I know I know you send out a discount every week every month whatever so I'm quite happy to wait for that even if I need this product and actually Potentially what might happen is they say, I do need this product, but you've not got a discount. So I'm going to go somewhere else and buy it. Or they come across it and it's, you know, $5 cheaper on the other website. And so they say, well, I'll buy it from there because I know that it will be, it should be $25 cheaper on your website, but you haven't got the discount up. Um, and then really what we're talking about, again, it's going back to that. Uh, is this the right product? And is this the right business? Mm-hmm. And if you can answer all those questions, and get that conversion for the right reason, because people are really convinced about that purchase, then they're going to be more likely to come back. Uh, still assuming that your product is good, right? You still have to get the entire entire journey, right? Your product has to be good. It has to do the job. The delivery experience needs to be good. 
but generally speaking like if you can yeah if you can answer those two questions you're much more likely to get retention and the the three areas i focus on for that are usability so that's uh usability of the website right so a very basic level does your website work right that should be you know should be should be something that every business is is getting right but actually what we find what i tend to find is uh, on a certain device on a certain screen size the uh, contact us you know the live chat button will be sat on top of the the call to action the the add to cart button something like that so on a certain device no one is able to actually add your product to cart right so that's that's kind of what i mean by usability and then the the more important side well maybe not more important side but um kind of more powerful side i think is the kind of discoverability side of it so does the website help me find the products i'm looking for if i and this includes you know even if i've landed on a product right so if you've sent me a, a show me a facebook ad or have clicked on a ppc ad if i land on that product and i've decided actually no there's something wrong with this you know going back to the shoe example if this shoe is out of uh, if the shoe size i need is out of stock does the website prompt me in some way to go find an alternative or does it just let me uh, let me abandon uh, the website? And that could be by saying, you know, do you want to be uh, emailed when this product is back in stock? Or it could be a um, you know some sort of interactive way of saying, you know, sorry, this size is out of stock. Here are some products that we recommend, mm -hmm. or here are here are similar products that customers buy. Or uh, one thing I actually want to test with my my retailer is um, here are some expert picks. Right, so here, here are some that are asked. Here are some alternatives that our staff love, and see if that, see how people respond to that. Yeah. But yeah, it's that, it's that discoverability piece. It's you know, does the website help me find what I'm looking for, or does it just kind of say we've got some navigation, we've got a search function, you can you know have a go at it. Um, one thing, and I mentioned a pet peeve earlier, but another pet peeve is websites that have. They have their own products and they have their own different models of those products. And when you go into the navigation, the navigation is, is laid out in terms of the different models and things. So you're looking at some crazy names of the products that they've, that they've come up with. None of them mean anything to you. So you don't know what to click, right? You might have, you know, some brands will say you've got the beginner, the intermediate and advanced versions. That's great. Mm -hmm. Tells me what I need to know if I'm a beginner. A beginner i'll look at the beginner version but other brands will just put some sort of branded name on them and you don't know where to start right so you click into the first one you're not too sure you click into the second one you're still not too sure then you've got to try and go back and compare them mm. this is sort of the, the discovery and, and usability piece that um can can cause a lot of friction that, that that just real quick, just to add to that, that makes a lot of sense, again, from someone who is, let's say, a CEO or a founder or the creator. You need to remember that just because you created this amazing place with your amazing product that you think is perfect for everybody, you need to put yourself in the consumer's shoes and remember that someone may be looking at this or considering this new hobby or coming to your world for the first time. Right. So making it all inclusive and not just assuming that every customer knows the culture of the brand or the culture of the product or the culture of the hobby. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then we've got uh, so anxiety is the second piece. Hmm. So that is, uh, does the website answer my my questions, my concerns, my doubts? 
right? So think of some examples. Um, if you're selling food, some sort of food product, it could be, uh, you know, do I have dietary requirements? Is it clear whether uh, my dietary requirements are met by this product? So, you know, it could be, does, does this product have nuts in it? Uh, is it vegan? You know, these sort of questions, if I can't, if I can't see that there and, and answer that question clearly by looking at a product page, then I'm, I'm, I'm going to leave. Mm-hmm. Or it could be, um, I, I remember, I'm trying to think of the exact example of this. Um, it was a, a bookshelf that I think I was trying to order. And this particular bookshelf, uh, yeah, it said, I think it said it was adhesive. It, uh, so it stuck to the walls instead of being screwed into the walls, which okay. was a really kind of a really important part, point to me because I didn't want to have to screw it into the walls. Okay. Uh, you know, it was my flat at the time, so I could have done it if I wanted to, but I think I was, I was kind of leaning towards selling. So I was like, well, I don't want to screw something to the wall. So that was that, that anxiety. The, the, the question I was asking was, how, how does this thing stay stable? Right. How, how do I make sure that things going to get, not get knocked over easily? Um, yeah, whatever. Uh, I'm thinking it's, I'm probably going to have to screw it into the wall because most, most things either have nothing or they screw into the wall, but this, this thing said adhesive, um, and explained how that works. So I was like, okay, cool. That's, that's what I need. Um, uh, trying to think of other, uh, other anxieties. It could be about returns and things, right? So again, like what happens if this goes wrong? Um, what happens if I don't like it or it's broken or whatever? Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's there's that kind of it's going back to those two questions, right? So is it the right product? Is it the right business? Anxiety still, you know, it, it's covering both of those. So yeah, am I am I? It's this it's the product page answering all my questions about the product, and is it then also dealing with any concerns I might have about the business? So usability, I want to pop these up again. So usability is first, you know, does the website actually work, right? And that's a huge thing that people sometimes totally forget to even check. Then we've got discoverability. How easy does this website allow me to find what I'm looking for? Or let me know when something is sold out? Are there other options? Or is there something, as you said, maybe a, you know, professional would suggest? And then the third thing is does my website really truly answer questions um, in terms of returns or, you know, as you said, dietary restrictions or, um, you know, support, customer support or warranties, et cetera. Those are three basic things, but it makes a lot of sense because I think for the most part too, with the boom of the internet, with the boom of more businesses being online, we have so many tools as consumers and so many opportunities to compare companies via their websites that you want your website to be, you know, here. Uh, and you yeah. want your consumers to be down here. You don't want it to be the other way around. Cause especially in this e-commerce Shopify world, you only get one chance to make a first impression because it's so easy for someone to click to the next one. They don't have to get in their car. They don't have to drive to another strip mall or store. All they have to do is literally click and then they never have to look at your stuff again. It's pretty incredible. Yeah. Well, that's why the the actual last one is is the most important, which is motivation. Ah, okay. Right. So, uh, and obviously, it doesn't. It's it's not really checking checkbox one, checkbox two, checkbox three. These are uh, just uh, different areas. But the, the most powerful one is the motivation. 
I, I, if I'm looking at this product, am I thinking, yes, I can see how this is going to make a difference to my life. I can see that the benefit that it's going to give me, I can see, I can see where I'm going to be in six months time if I buy this product and start using it. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the most powerful thing. You know, the easiest examples to think of are, are diet, diet products, um, uh, and nutrition products, um, ex, you know, excess fitness and exercise things, because there it's really easy to show the, the before and after. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you can show people and really give people an impression of how their life's going to be better, then that's, that's the thing which really makes them buy it because going back to anxiety, right? Anxiety is obviously really powerful, but if I look at this product and say, you know, if I, if I'm vegan, for example, I look at this, um, product and I say, okay, cool. It says it's vegan, but I don't feel like it's going to be tasty or, and you know, I, if I don't feel like I'm going to enjoy this product and, and enjoy the flavors, then it doesn't matter that it's vegan. It doesn't matter. You've got free returns because I'm looking at this thing thinking, nah, well, I don't really, I don't really care. I don't think I'm going to like it. Exactly. So you, you've got to work on that, that motivation. And in retail, that's a little bit more difficult because your products are the same as everyone else's. So you're a little bit more constrained by what you can do, but you can, you can still go out and shoot your own photography and stuff. But if you've got your own products and your own brand, there's so much more opportunity to focus on that and, and really explain why your product is so much better than the alternatives that might be out there. Well, honestly, I feel like we're just scratching the tip of the iceberg. We have shared so much today in such a short time. And unfortunately, we are out of time, Will. So I do want to share with our audience our Engage News of the Week and have you share any thoughts you might have on that. And then also share with our audience how they can connect with you after today's show, if that works for you. Cool. Uh, There's just the the one thing you wanted to know about Incognito. Yeah. Oh, see, Um, I'm so glad you reminded me. Yeah. How do you search a website incognito mode? uh, I can only speak to the browsers that I know. Yeah. (laughs) Um, If you're on Chrome, uh, use the Chrome browser, literally the top right corner, I think there's, I think there's three dots uh, in the top right. I think it's three dots. Yes. It says says update and then there's three dots. Yeah. So, um, if you, if you click the three dots, it should say, uh, I think, new tab, new window, and yes. new incognito window. New incognito window. I see it. Yeah. And then if you're on a phone, uh, I don't know how to explain to do it. I just know it kind of it's like muscle memory now. But you can just um, you can just switch your browser type. Uh, so if you're on Safari on an iPhone, for example, I think it's where it says how many tabs you've got open. You just tap that and it will say... Uh, go private, private mode is it's on the mobile. And I see um, Lex, Lexi is joining us. She's watching on Facebook and she gave us a thumbs up for today's show. Thanks for joining us again today, Lexi. Uh, if you're wondering what we're talking about, or if you just joined the show a little bit late on LinkedIn, we're talking about the option and the ability to search a website incognito because sometimes we know that uh, e-commerce businesses will offer coupons and codes right when you've gotten to their website. And maybe you don't even know if you want to shop with them. You don't want to give them your email address or put your phone number in. So sometimes you'll dismiss those banners. You'll dismiss those coupons to say, hey, is this the right product for me? Is this the right company? As we learn, those are the two questions we always ask ourselves, which is so true, Will. But uh, browsing incognito at a later date, if you decide, oh, hey, I do want to shop from that company. I think they offered me an email code. 
um, that's a great way to uh, go and, and search and, and get those email codes or whatever back. Also, How smart. Uh, not even as a, as a consumer, as, as, a, as someone who runs a Shopify business, for example, ah. go check in on your competitor websites, right? Open those sites in the incognito every time you go look at them to just see what's different. Right? Now, by in the... incognito means that information is not shared with that uh, company. Is that what that means? Yeah, it's, it's kind of like a, a fresh browser. So it's mm. as if, uh, so, you know, you'll find if, if you go to your email, for example, you'll be asked mm. to log in, like you're, you're logged mm. out of everything, everything's cleared, everything is, is from scratch. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's, it's, as far as, I mean, this website can't, can't tell who you are, basically. So they don't know right. that you're logged in, right? you know, right. you might have this, the other browser, your, your other tab open, but the incognito window doesn't know that. Um, so everything's, everything's uh, kind of fresh which means that, yeah, if they've got a Clavio pop-up, you will see that pop-up, um, uh, which means, yeah, if you if you check in on your competitors every month, you can see whether they change their offers, um, whether they change those promotions, the designs on that, and all that sort of thing. Not to say you should copy that, but it just gives you an insight into to what they're doing. Gives you the inside scoop. I love it. I love learning new things, especially when it comes to e-commerce and Shopify and learning how digital marketing uh you know, things that we can, even as consumers, things we can do to have a competitive advantage in our shopping, right? So kind of goes both ways. Will, you you are just a wealth of information. I'm so excited to share your contact information with our audience, share a little bit about customers who click in just a moment. But let's dive into our news of the week for just a moment before I let Will go and before I share his information with you. Uh, so every week we share what we call our Engage Digital Marketing News of the Week. And this week, TikTok shared a new report on how retail brands can convert their efforts on the social platform. And I want to share something here. So basically, TikTok has shared this kind of infinite loop idea. Um, and you can find out more about this. I'll share the link in a minute. But basically, TikTok says, by listening to the TikTok community, we meet users where they want to be met. And it's not in the funnel. Rather, it's in an infinite loop with no start or no end point, and it empowers brands to establish more meaningful relationships with consumers that result in communities of brand loyalists, repeat purchases, and greater spending. So I just wanted to kind of throw this up here. It's very interesting, but what TikTok is saying is that their path is not linear. It's not a funnel. It's actually this infinite loop, and I find this to be interesting because, Will, one of the things you shared was this idea that, you know, purchasing a product is really just the beginning and that it's important for companies to support that purchase all the way through tracking, through shipping, through, you know, arrival of the product, through then asking for the experience. Um, so even though funnels are what we consider to be the way a lot of consumer purchases happen, what TikTok is saying is that it really is kind of this loop-de-loop more than it is a funnel. And I, I find that to be interesting. I'm going to share the link uh, for those of you watching, if you want to screenshot that to go and find that article. But just out of curiosity, from your experience, Will, do you have any insights or thoughts on this kind of different concept, the way that TikTok has laid things out? Do you agree or any thoughts on it? Yeah, I think it's, it's interesting. Um, I do think there's kind of elements of the funnel you want to be thinking about, right? So if, if someone's never heard of you um, through to conversion, there is a bit of a funnel there. But obviously, 
just because they've made that purchase doesn't then mean they're they're not in a pot of loyal customers now who will just mm -hmm. come back and buy from you again and again you right. do have to kind of uh, it's not exactly bringing them right back to the start but you need to continuously kind of educate them um engage with them right so you know give them the experiences that you used when you first acquired them um you know that might be advertising but it could be it could be content on tiktok for example mm -hmm. you know keep keep kind of giving, giving people those same good experiences that got them to convert with you in the first place um but what a lot of brands do is say right we've got the purchase and and then they just think you kind of fall into this uh endless cycle of of weekly or monthly email marketing campaigns mm -hmm. that just dump product on you Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, we're seeing a lot of the, a lot of really good brands who are are kind of pushing people back to those communities and saying, you know, make sure you engage with us on TikTok or join our community on Facebook or, you know, whatever. But focusing more on that, that long term value piece and that engagement, which will then bring people back. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. I agree so much. And I'm really excited for you, by the way, speaking of engaging people and bringing them back, you're doing a lot right now with a podcast uh, and really a blog. And it's it's who your company is. It's called Customers Who Click. Do you want to share with us before I you know, share your LinkedIn, share with us what our audience can find at customerswhoclick.com. Uh, I know you've got the podcast, you've got a blog portion, but that is the name of your consult, consult company. What can our audience find if they visit your website? What will they learn more about? Um, uh, being brutally honest, uh, not a very good website. Um, <laughs> I, I checked no, it out. I thought it was okay. Um, was no, uh, Link, LinkedIn's definitely my place at the moment. So I'm much more active there and share a lot there. But yeah, the, the website, you'll be able to find, uh, find my blog. Where I post uh, actionable tips every couple of weeks. Um, you can sign up to my newsletter. And there's obviously the, the podcast on there. So every episode goes on there. Uh, you can either listen to it on the website uh, or on iTunes, uh, Spotify. Um, there's show notes and things on the website as well. So you can quickly see all the uh, the key points. Mm -hmm. um, and then, uh, yeah, LinkedIn. LinkedIn would be the best place to contact me or, or, or follow me. Um, and I'm actually doing a, I'm doing a live training next week on Wednesday, which is all about... Uh, all about those key concerns that customers have, which put them off purchasing. So I'll be talking a bit more about uh, what information you can make sure is on the website, um, what you know, what those concerns are that you can deal with to make sure that people uh, will purchase. So yeah, that's going to be next week. So if you add me on uh, add me on LinkedIn and mention the po this podcast, uh, I'll, I'll well and mention the training. Uh, I'll get you. <laughs> Perfect. So if you're just listening in right now on a podcast replay, March 16th would be the date for Will's online class, March 16th. It's next Wednesday. And in order to find Will on LinkedIn, it's Will, W-I-L-L, Lawrenson, L-A-U-R-E-N-S-O-N. Will, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Before I let you go, I just want to say hello to 
Marielle, who has joined us, she mentioned that that Chrome incognito window is certainly something she uses to check her competitors and, and kind of get the inside scoop. So Marielle, I want to thank you so much for joining us. I also want to thank Lexi, who was joining us and gave us a thumbs up on Facebook. I know many of you listen to the podcast replay, but for those of you who love to tune in for live seminars, please share this link with your friends and check us out for our next show on Thursday. In the meantime, Will, I want to thank you again so much for sharing all your incredible insights with us and being our guest on today's episode of Digital Marketing Intelligence for Shopify, Ask the Experts. Thanks so much. I've really enjoyed it. Thanks. Awesome. We enjoyed it too. Thank you so much, Will. Have a great day. Bye. What an excellent guest expert on the topic really of CRO, but we dove into a lot more. We dove into um, really the big questions customers are asking and how to make sure that your company and your website is answering those questions, which will lead to more conversions. We also talked about how discounting wasn't always the right way to build a loyal customer base and to gain more sales. If you wanna learn more about customers who click, if you wanna hear uh, Will Lawrenson's podcast, check out customerswhoclick.com and please follow him on LinkedIn and drop him a message to let him know that you saw him on the Engage Digital Marketing Series. Okay, guys, if you're just joining us and you missed today's show, make sure you check out the Engage Show Library. I'll pop that up, show you what that looks like. You can find it easily if you go to engage.com forward slash live dash show dash library. We will add Will's show to our library in just a couple of days. So check that out or share the link to the Engage Live Show Library with your colleagues or any friends that you may have in the e-commerce Shopify world, especially if you think that Will's insights would help them in their business. You can also find out more about Will Lawrenson at customerswhoclick.com, as I mentioned. And if you are looking for more opportunities to learn about Shopify, to learn how to connect with customers, to learn how to grow and scale your business, join me on Thursday, March 10th at 2 p.m. Eastern. Our guest will be Rand Fishkin. He is a prolific digital marketing author, keynote speaker, founder of Moz, and current founder and CEO of the audience research company called Spark Toro. He'll be joining us to talk about how audience research can dramatically increase your customer acquisition opportunities outside of Facebook, Google, and Amazon ads. We learned a little bit about really audience research today from Will, who talked about exit surveys. I think that was a great tool he shared with us. A reminder that if your colleagues or friends would like to know more about how to empower themselves in their Shopify and e-commerce businesses, connect with us at Engage on LinkedIn. It's N-G-A-G-G-E is the company name. Look for our rainbow colored wheel-shaped cog. And if you're interested in joining me for a show to come on as a guest expert, or maybe you know somebody who is a guest expert in e-commerce or Shopify, have them email me or email me yourself. My email is Marissa. M-A-R-I-S-S-A dot M at N-G-A-G-G-E dot com. All right, everybody, that is it for today. On behalf of myself and the entire team at Engage, I want to thank you for joining me for today's show with our special guest, Will Lawrenson. And I want to remind you to be tuned in because next week on March 15th, we are launch launching our first ever SMS marketing for Shopify app. You don't want to miss that and all the good things coming to you from Engage this year for your e-commerce business. Again, thank you so much for joining me and I'll see you back here on Thursday, March 10th for our next episode of Digital Marketing Intelligence for Shopify. Have a great day, everybody.